All right, there we go. Man, I'm still trying to figure out how to navigate this little table with my, my readers and all of my stuff. I need a bigger table now. Okay, so we are in this kind of series we're wrapping all together, uh, Summer Standalone Series. So we kicked it off last week, so five, five weeks, five different speakers. Last week, Chuck Spencer, one of our deacons, did a great job. He preached short, and I know everyone's like, amen, have him preach again. Um, so set the bar high. Um, today, July 4th, I am preaching um, because we knew this was going to be the smallest crowd, and you all always hear me. Uh, no, literally, everyone else is out of town, okay? Everyone is traveling. So I'm going to speak today. Over the next couple weeks, you're going to get to hear from a few other of our men in our church. So I'm looking forward to that, and I know you are too. Um, But so we're doing that over the next few weeks during the month of July. Uh, So today, again, I want to say happy 4th of July. Freedom is an amazing thing. Amen. Uh, my 18-year-old son uh, believes this now more than ever. I'm telling you, he's been looking forward to the day when he could say, peace, uh, mom and dad, I'm going to live on my own. And so just as a personal update, last week we moved my son Isaiah to, back to Springfield, Missouri uh, from, whence we, from whence we came. <laughs> and uh, that we had a great trip. Um, not too many tears were shed, and all of them were shed by mama. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, man, it's just an interesting transition in our life. It was fun to, uh, to, to be a part of that with Isaiah. He's doing well. Um, and so, you know, freedom is, is an amazing thing. And, you know, as an American, it's a beautiful thing to live in freedom. And that's why we celebrate this day every single year. But let me say this. While independence is a great thing nationally, dependence is actually to be the essence of our lives as followers of Jesus personally. You hear what I'm saying? So nationally, man, we, we're so thankful for independence, but personally, dependence is to be the, the marker of our lives. And what I mean is dependence upon the Lord. You know, as an American, an American's calling card is, is independence, but a Christian's calling card is dependence. Let me, let me say that again in a different way, because you know, it kind of came into my, my mind and rolled off my tongue and onto paper, and I was like, would the next generation understand what a calling card is when we use the term calling cards? I feel like I have to even define that. Like a calling card is something that you're known for, something that sets you apart. So an American's calling card is independence, our freedom, but a Christian's calling card is actually the opposite. It's dependence. Let me say it another way. A true American's calling card is independence. So like, you know, if you meet someone who doesn't appreciate the freedoms that we have in our country, our, our response might be like, are you even an American? Right? Are you even American? The same is true of a Christian. A true Christian's calling card is dependence. So if someone were to look at your life or my life and see that we're self-sufficient, that we don't need anything or anybody or God, they might say, well, are you even Christian? A true Christian's calling card is dependence. You know, in... Um, 1776, our nation, we collectively said to Great Britain, we don't need you, right? That's what this is all about. And it's, it's, we declared our independence. But as a Christian, every single day of our lives, we must declare dependence. God, we, God, I need you. And, you know, three weeks ago, um, my sister-in-law um, asked a question 
that kind of prompted this, this whole sermon today, okay? So three weeks ago, my son Isaiah was, was graduating, and so we had family in town, and uh, my brother-in-law and his wife from Irmo were, you know, over at our house, and we were just sitting and talking, and, and she asked this question, okay, she's, she's Asian and introverted, which I appreciate because I'm both of those things as well, but she's very cerebral and very thoughtful, and so she asked this question. Well, first of all, she asked this question. I've heard a lot lately, and even as we were back in Springfield last week, when I come across people I haven't seen in a while, the question is always this. Well, how's your church doing? And that's a really hard question to answer, especially as a pastor in these days. Uh, you know, and, and I heard that a lot last week as we were back in Springfield uh, at our old church. Uh, so how's your church doing? And so we're talking about you know, some of the good things that have happened over the last you know, 16, 18 months and some of the difficult, challenging things and where we see God moving and where he's moving us to. Um, and, and, but then she paused and kind of asked this question. And this, this wasn't an accusatory kind of question or tone, but this is a very thoughtful question. She asked this, she said, do you think your people have asked the question, Lord, what is it that you want us to learn in this time? And so she, she asked that question, and I just I sat there and pondered this. And I was like, as a guy who needs to process things, I need to think about this. But my initial kind of response was, you know, I don't know if our people, our church, I don't know if me or we in general ask this question very much at all in our lives. Like, Lord, what is it that you want me to learn through all of this? And you've probably heard me say it before, but... You know, as we, as we encounter and go through the tough stuff of life, right, the stuff that keeps us awake at night, the, the stuff that um, causes anxiety or stress, the stuff that causes heartburn, is the way, the way I say it, when we go through the tough stuff of life, our tendency, our natural inclination is to, like, push against it, right? Because we want to get, uh, get over it or around it. We want to get away from it. And so I don't think we're, in, in general, we, we tend to ask this question, like, Lord, what is it that you, what is it you want me to learn through this? And so kind of the big driving point or idea this morning is that one of the key ways that we cultivate a spirit of dependence, or as followers of Jesus, we're to be dependent upon the Lord. One of the ways that we can cultivate a spirit of dependence is to habitually ask this question. Lord, what do you want to teach me? Lord, what do you want to teach me through all of this? There's two things you need to know about God. And I wish we could explain this this morning or explore this. We don't have a lot of time to do that. Two things you need to know about God. One, he is powerful. And two, he is parental. He's powerful and he's parental. So in other words, he's powerful. We use the biblical word sovereign. He's, he, he's powerful over all. He has all control, but he's also parental. He's like, a, he's a parent, all right? Over the last couple of months, we've celebrated Mother's Day and Father's Day. We've celebrated parents and, you know, there's, there's qualities of mothers and fathers that, that reflect God because at his heart, he is a father. He is a parent and, and, and like a good parent, what God does is he orchestrates some things in our lives and he allows others, but all things always he does or allows for the good of the child, right? So parents, 
we, we understand this, that sometimes we do things that our kids don't understand, they don't like in the moment, but we do things because it's for their good, right? And, and, and God is that same way. He's all powerful and yet he's, he's like a parent and everything that he orchestrates and everything he allows is for our good. But, you know, most children don't typically grow up asking the question. Okay, kids typically ask a lot of questions, right? Typically the one question they don't grow up asking is, Mom, Dad, what are you trying to teach me? <laughs> right? Did you ask that question? Like, this punishment that you're inflicting on me. Dad, what would you like me to learn? <laughs> this is not our typical response to this tough stuff of life, right? And, and most of us don't do that. And so what I'm proposing this morning is this, that the better, the better posture and the better perspective in life is to make a habit of asking this question. Like, Lord, what do you want to teach me? Lord, what is it you want to teach me? And I'm going to look at Psalm 32. Uh, we're just going to look at a few verses here. There's 11 verses in Psalm 32. We're just going to read all of these. But I want to focus in on a couple of verses in particular. But let's just read through these first few verses to kind of set the context. Psalm verse. Psalm 32, starting in verse number one, this is a psalm of David, and he's just rejoicing at the forgiveness that he's received in the Lord. Verse one, blessed is the one whose transgression or whose sin is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Verse three, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. And so what you're hearing is, is a man who, who understands his sinfulness, that he has sinned greatly and God's hand is heavy upon him. There's, there's conviction here because of the sin in his life. In verse number five, though, he says, I acknowledged my sin to you, which we would call confession. He says, I acknowledge it to you. I confess my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And here's what happened. You forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. And so what you see from David here is, man, he is just rejoicing. Like, man, how, how, what a blessing it is to, to be convicted of sin to confess my sin and then to receive the forgiveness of God who it says covers over our sin. And we know as people of the New Testament that our sin is covered over, not by anything that we do, not by good works or good intentions. It's covered over by the blood of Jesus Christ when we confess our sin to him. And so David here is just rejoicing that he's been convicted of sin, he's confessed it, and he's received the forgiveness of God. And so, man, he's just praising the Lord here in Psalm 32. But then we come down to verse number 8 and 9, and these are the two verses that I want to kind of focus on for the next few minutes. And, and there's, there's kind of a lack of, of agreement over who is speaking in Psalm 
32 verses 8 and 9. It could be David, but it could be the Lord. And it's not, it's not abundantly clear who's speaking here. But look at verse number 8. It says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. So if you look at verse 8, so you see David, it's like he's confessing, he's rejoicing, he's praising the Lord. But then verse 8 kind of turns a corner, and it, to me, this, the way that I take this, it sounds like it's the Lord speaking. And you could take this as, as David speaking, and he say, says, like, I've learned because of your forgiveness, and now you that are listening to me, I want to help you and instruct you and teach you. But, but, but I think this is the Lord speaking, because look at it again, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And, and so what I see here is, is a promise from God. I think this is God speaking here, and he's saying, listen, I, if you will live with humility, and if you will live with, with a yieldedness to me, I will teach you, and I will instruct you, and I'll counsel you, and my eyes on you. I'm going to be with you all along the way. I will, I will provide you with my gentle and present and caring guidance if you'll be teachable, if you'll be yielded to me, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And, and so this means that we would have to come to the Lord with this attitude that says, God, I'm listening to you. Like, I want to learn whatever it is that you're trying to teach me. God, I want to grow. I am teachable. Right? Are, are, are you seeing that? He says, Here's the promise that I want to teach you and I want to instruct you and I want to counsel you. I want to guide you. This is the promise. But verse 9, there's, there's kind of this warning here. Let's, let's read it one more time. Verse 9, he says, But be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. So here's, here's the warning. Okay, if you're familiar at all with, with, with horses or with mules, he says, don't be obstinate like the horse or the mule. He says, don't be a donkey, right? That's the, that's the church version, right? He says, don't be, don't be stubborn and obstinate and resistant and unyielding and inflexible. Don't be like the horse or the mule, uh, that requires a bit and a bridle, all right? And, and you don't have to be a horse expert to understand a, a bit and a bridle is this kind of headgear and mouthpiece that helps to guide or direct a, a horse or a mule the direction you want it to go. And what God is saying here, the warning here is, don't be like the horse. Don't be like the mule. Don't be obstinate. He, he, he says... If, if you resist, if you kick back or kick against, I can pull out my strong hand to direct you if I must. And what you see throughout the Old, Old Testament, I use that term specifically because it frequently speaks of the Lord talking about his strong hand, his outstretched arm, and he leads his people. 
And God says, I can put the bit and bridle on if, if I have to, if, if you're going to be obstinate. But man, I'd much rather you be yielding and submissive and humble because I'll teach you and I will instruct you if you will be teachable. Don't be like the horse or the mule. And there's a biblical term for this kind of spiritual stubbornness. And this is a good old biblical phrase that I love, stiff-necked, all right? Stiff-necked, he uses this term throughout the scriptures. Don't be stiff-necked. Let me read you a couple verses in particular. One is in Exodus 32, you know, Moses is up on Mount Sinai. He's receiving instruction from the Lord, the 10 commandments. And while he is doing that, God's people are, are down at the base of the mountain and they're, 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 they're constructing or asking God to give them something to worship. And so they have this golden calf that they're worshiping and God speaking about his people, Israel in Exodus 32 verse nine, he says, the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and behold, it is a stiff necked people. And we kind of understand this terminology because you know, when, you know, maybe it's an animal or maybe it's a child, maybe it's yourself when you don't want to do something, you know, when, we're, when someone tries to force us to do something that we don't want to do, we understand the idea of being stiff-necked. Like, I'm, I'm going to plant my feet and I'm going to stiffen my neck and you are not going to make me do something I don't want to do. And God was saying, don't, man, this people. He said, they're a stiff-necked people. And in Second Chronicles 30, verse 8, he says, don't be like these people. Do not now be stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves to the Lord. And come to his sanctuary, which he has consecrated forever, and serve the Lord your God that his fierce anger may turn away from you. And so God is, is speaking to the, the, the nation of Israel and he says, hey, don't be stubborn and obstinate and stiff-necked like your fathers were. But rather, on the other hand, yield yourselves to the Lord. Be teachable and turn away his wrath. And so this idea of being like the horse or the mule, being stubborn and obstinate, and it's, it's being stiff-necked. And so the promise here is God says, I want to instruct you, and I want to teach you, and I want to counsel you with my eye upon you. The warning is, don't be like the horse. Don't be like the mule. And then in the conclusion of this passage, let me just go back to Psalm 32. Let me just read the last couple of verses to kind of wrap up Psalm 32. He goes on to finish up this, this psalm, and I think this goes back to David. He says, many are the sorrows of the wicked. And again, this could be the Lord speaking, maybe as well. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright and heart. And so this question, I just want to bring it up again. And this is a really simple sermon this morning. The question is again, Lord, what, what do you want to teach me? Lord, what do you want to teach me? And the reason I think this is so important is because, um, because of a few, a few things, uh, a few things. When we ask the question, Lord, what, what do you want to teach me? It assumes a few things. It assumes that God has a master plan. 
Like he has an end goal that, that, that he is, is working out. He's got a blueprint in mind. And he does. We won't go there, but Romans 8, 28 and 29 says that he works all things together for our good, ultimately to make us like Christ. And so when we ask the question, we say, Lord, what is it that you want to teach me? We are assuming that God has a master plan in mind, that he has an end goal for our life. So Lord, in this, in this season, in this moment, with your master plan in mind, what is it that you're trying to, what do you want to teach me? What do you want me to learn? It also assumes when we ask this question that he is at work in our situation, whether we can see it or not. And, and so when I ask the question, when you ask the question, Lord, what is it that you want to teach me in this thing that I'm going through? We're assuming, God, you, you have a master plan. God, you are actually at work bringing this to pass. You're actually working in my life. You're actually working in my situation to get to this end goal. And so when we ask that question, it assumes that God has a master plan. It assumes that he is at work. And it also assumes that you and I still have room to grow. When we say, Lord, what is it you want to teach me? We're not saying, God, I have nothing to learn. I've already figured it out. I'm good. I don't need you to shape me anymore. I don't need you to conform me anymore. Lord, I am, I'm as mature as I'm going to get. But when we ask the question, we say, Lord, what is it that you want to teach me? We are assuming, God, I still have a lot of room to grow, and I need you to grow me and stretch me and conform me because I have so far to go. This is a question of humility and and I think it's such an important question, especially in light of the stuff that we've all experienced over the last 12, 16, 18 months of our lives. It's so easy, easy to push against stuff and to be angry and opinionated and at no point along the way go, God, this is madness. All the stuff that I've experienced in my life, there is a purpose behind it. You are trying to do something in my life. What is it that you're trying to teach me? What do you want me to learn? Rather than saying, this is what I hate and I don't like and I don't agree with. God, what is it that you want to teach me in all of this? Th think about it this way. Teaching and testing always go hand in hand. Teaching and testing always go hand in hand. This is true in school, right? You, you get taught something, but the way... Teachers try to figure out if you've actually learned is, let me give you a test. Let me see if you've actually learned what you need to learn. Okay, this happens on the job. You get trained to, you know, deal with a customer. And the way that you find out if you've actually learned what you need to learn is, well, let me put you in contact with a customer. Let me see if you actually know how to respond when the time comes. Okay, this happens in life. The only way that we know if we've actually learned what God wants us to learn is he tests us. He puts us through a test. And sometimes we pass, sometimes we fail. And God is gracious to keep allowing us to go through it again and again. And we don't see that as being gracious. We're like, why do I have to keep going through this again? And God is saying, I'm trying to help you grow and I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to instruct you and guide you 
along the way. And I just want you to humble yourself and learn because I want you to pass the test. My goal isn't for you to fail. It's for you to pass. Because if you get through this and you don't learn what I want you to learn, you will have failed. And that's not what I want for your life. You don't really learn what you need to learn until you pass the test. You know, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm reminded of, of my son Isaiah, and this is probably true for a lot of us, that you know, when, when it came to him, I just have him on my brain because he was the greatest example of this with all my kids. When, when he didn't want to learn the subject matter in a class, I mean, there was nothing you could do to make him want to learn. But if it was a class where it was hands-on, it was like digital graphic arts or video or something, like he was all about it. If it was hands-on, man, you didn't have to talk him into learn. I mean, he would do all that stuff on his own. He was motivated on his own. But if it was like eh, math, he was like, I don't care. And so you know what? Uh, there was times where he would, f- he would fail the test, he would get bad grades because he didn't want to learn and he, didn't, he had no motivation to do that on his own. And you know what's true of a lot of us? That's like, a, that's like our lives a lot of times. It's like, I don't want to learn this. And so like, God, I don't care. I just want to get through this. I want to get past this. And the reality is that when that's our attitude, when our attitude is like, I don't care what you want to teach me, God, we're going to keep failing the test over and over, like the children of Israel for 40 years, over and over and over, if they had just stopped and said, okay, maybe God wants us to learn something. God, what is it you want to teach us? So that this 11-day journey doesn't turn into 40 years of wandering. God was testing them all along the way, and it was fail, 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 fail. There was a point in time where I thought, my son was going to be like, fail, fail, fail. Son, you're going to be in high school for the rest of your life unless you get motivated to pass the test. And that's like for all of us. Good news is he's, he's graduated, okay? Um, so there's good news there. But here, here is here's really the, the, the application for all of us is this. Let me ask you this question. Is there anything that you're going through in your life right now that that would qualify as tough stuff of life. Stuff that keeps you up at night, stuff that makes you anxious, stuff that causes you to worry, stuff that brings you to your knees, stuff that makes you scratch your head, stuff that makes you throw your hands up. Is there anything at all in your life like that? And if so, Do you have a posture of humility and are you being teachable through it? Because my motivation this morning, it's, it's, it's for you, it's for me, it's for us to just become people who, who would habitually ask this question, Lord, what is it you want to teach us? God, what is it you want to teach our church through this season? God, what is it you want to teach me? in this season. And I'm talking about when we, when we go through tough stuff. I'm talking about when we prosper, when we go through good things. God, God, what is it you want to teach me? What do you want me to learn? Uh, and I'll confess this, man, I'm going through. I, I, f- I feel like there's never been a season of my life where multiple things, as many things have converged at once, that would make me like scratch my head and feel a need to be 
so dependent on the Lord. I'm telling you, like, uh, and let me tell you this. Some of you know this and you're praying for me and my family. Um, this is one of those weird seasons of life where I'm a, I'm a parent and yet I'm a child and yet I'm becoming in some ways a parent again over my parents. Uh, my parents are going through a lot of stuff physically and, um, you know, some of you have been praying for me and my, my mom and dad. Um, and so, you know, here I am uh, on Father's Day and I'm getting ready to send my son away and yet I'm also getting ready to make a trip to Ohio to take care of my parents. Some of you have been, been through this kind of stuff. Man, my heart breaks for you. It's hard. It's tough stuff. But one of the things I've been thinking through this is like, man, I just want to get through this. This is oh, so tough to be a child and yet to have to help take care of my parents. And I'm looking at this going, okay, am I asking this question of the Lord in this season of my life? Like, God, I know you're not trying to beat me down. You want to teach me something. You want me to learn something. You are trying to make me more like Jesus. And so God, what is it that you want to teach me? What is it that I need to learn? And you know, I, I'm still not sure what all that is. I know it, it's just like an utter dependence on God, that God, you're going to work this out, that God, I can't, I can't manage this on my own. I need you. I need your strength. I need prayer from others to sustain me. And I'm learning that. I don't, I don't know what all God wants to teach me. And I don't know whatever you're going through that maybe you haven't even voiced out loud to somebody. I don't know what God wants to teach you. But here's what I know about my situation. Here's what I know about your situation. That, that it's more than about just getting something done. Like for me, it's, it's, it's about more than just getting, you know, my, care, my parents taken care of, long-term care for my parents. It's about much more than that. It's, it's about becoming who God wants me to become in the process. Not just to get something done that needs to get done. God, what do you want to teach me? How do you want to grow me? How are you trying to make me look more like Jesus? How are you trying to build into me a more compassionate heart for others that are going through the this, this same thing? You know, three, four years ago, I, I started down this road a little bit and experienced a little bit of this. And, and I'm telling you, in the last three, four years, as I've come across other grown adults who are now acting as parents for their parents, I have way more compassion and understanding for folks that have to deal with that because God is, is bringing me through that fire and that flood. And so, God, what, what is it? Who are you trying to make me into along the way? And, and so what I want to do in these last few minutes is I want to ask our uh, worship team to come back up here. We're going to do a couple things. First, we're going to take a time of just prayer and response, and we're going to use a song. You know, there was actually two things that kind of prompted this whole sermon. One, it was the question from my sister-in-law. The second was this song that, um, it's a very simple song, um, but it's called Teach Me. And I want to read the, the lyrics to you. It's a, it's a very short song. Um, with two verses in a chorus, but it goes like this. It says, the first verse says, when I can't see an end in sight and when I lose my will to fight, when I get all turned around 
and when the silence breaks me down. And then the chorus just repeats, what do you want to teach me? What do you want to teach me? And then the second verse says, when I can't get out of bed, and when the fears infect my head, when I don't know how to live, and when the darkness closes in, what do you want to teach me? What do you want to teach me? And we're going to sing that in just a moment. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of as you hear this song, um, you know, it's, it, as you go through the verses, there's this kind of darkness a little bit. You know, it kind of feels dark because it speaks to reality, like the sense of, like, hopelessness, like, man, when I don't see an end in sight, when I can't even get out of bed, man, when I'm paralyzed with fear, and, and there's this kind of darkness that is sung. It's kind of like a psalm in a lot of ways, but then there's this hope and light that comes in the chorus when, when we sing, like, Lord, what do you want to teach me? Because again, it assumes that, God, you are at work, and you're, you're moving, and you're you're doing something, and so I'm submitting myself, and I, I want to learn, and I want to grow, and I want to submit to whatever it is that you're trying to teach me. And so what is it, God, that you want to teach me? And I'll ask you, ask you to stand with me. I'll ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment, and I want to pray, and then we're just going to sing this song together and use this as a time of response and Maybe you don't want to sing. Maybe you just want to hear. Maybe you just want to open your heart and your, your ears to the Lord. God, I just thank you for the truth of your word that you are powerful. And you're our Heavenly Father. You're our parent. And all things that you do and all things that you allow, it's for our good. And it is to make us like Jesus. And Lord, this morning we want to come to you and we want to allow you to cultivate in us this, this spirit of dependence upon you. Lord, we're grateful for our independence as a nation, as Americans. And yet this morning we want to declare to you our dependence upon you as our Lord, as our Savior as our provider, as our sustainer. Lord, we believe that you are our master and you have a master plan, that you are at work in all things. And Lord, we just want to this morning, we want to ask the question with all humility, what is it that you want to teach me? And so Lord, would you just continue to work in our hearts this morning? Help us to yield ourselves to you, not to be stiff-necked, Jesus' name.